I'm here today with Rachel Sedgwick and Sarah Brennan from, oh God, I've forgotten, JTX. <laughs> I've forgotten already. This is going well. JDX Consulting. JDX. JDX Consulting. JDX Consulting. So Sarah Brennan and Rachel Sedgwick from JDX Consulting. Sorry, I had your names in front of me and I forgot the bloody company name. How are, how are you both? <laughs> We're good. We're good, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm obviously not as well as I thought. It's it's um, Friday <laughs> afternoon after a long week, hence my stumbling over the beginning of this. <laughs> You're allowed on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Thanks for coming on to this podcast because it's a really interesting thing that we were talking about that you've been doing at JDX. And it's about how a lot of companies aspire to have learning as a value. But then it's really just kind of usually just a fancy picture on the wall or a bit of branding around a couple of events or something. But I know you've worked really hard at JDX to actually make that mean something. Do you want to just introduce what you've done on that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I head up L&D in JDX and um, I and actually... This is Sarah, by the way, speaking. It just, is, just sorry. Just distinguishing yeah. Sarah and Rachel. Sarah's the northern <laughs> one. This is how we, dis- how we split this up. So Sarah has the northern <laughs> yeah. accent. Yeah, you'll, see, you'll soon get used to switching between the accents, but yes, I'm Sarah. Um, and I came to work with JDX because I have my own company, training and executive coaching company, and they were a big client of mine. I used to travel down from the north, from Cheshire, to come and work with them. And I really quickly picked up that learning development was incredibly important to everybody at every level here. And it was really refreshing to see. I mean, you you go into organizations when you're a, a trainer, a coach, or a consultant, and you, you work with pockets of the business, and, you know, some businesses get this spot on, they get it right, um, or in an area of the business they do, and then elsewhere they don't. And like you said earlier, you know, sometimes they talk about learning being a value, but actually don't live it and breathe it. Um, and from day one of working with JDX, it became apparent that this was something they took really seriously. Um, and so I worked with them on trying to hone that and trying to bring that to life a bit more. Um, and such was the law of JDX, I ended up working directly for them. So I hopped across um, and became an employee of JDX, uh, hoping that I could make a big difference here. So what we've done since I joined, and Rachel can add to this as well, because Rachel joined us this year, they had this sort of two-year academy when I came across. Um, a lot of our recruits are graduates. So we take in a large graduate um, intake and we recruit differently to other financial consultancy firms out there. A lot of them go for people who come from certain backgrounds, um, who studied certain topics at university. Um, And we're really broad in how we recruit. We like diversity. We recruit from all different degree topics. So we have people who studied drama, psychology, law, uh, whatever it may be. And we don't just target sort of Oxford and Cambridge graduates, you know, we're quite broad in the institutions we recruit from as well. Um, And what we actually look for in how we recruit is a growth mindset is really important. Um, So we can get it right from day dot with people. I think if someone's got a growth mindset, um, they're like sponges, they're willing to learn, they're so adaptable, they love, you know, going on this learning journey that we can create for them. Uh, they soak things up, they like sponges. So uh, that's something that's really important to us. Um, and how we operate as a business is we take in these graduates and we train them up and we put them out into... So can I just interject for a second? Yeah. Um, so I just think, sorry, just because you've made lots of really interesting points. And I was just thinking there's, there's a couple of things there you've talked about and what we're trying to focus in and what makes it a great learning culture. So do you want to just, let's just go back over because you've mentioned about diversity. Yeah. 
just just talk us through a little bit first of all how does that contribute to um, a good learning culture how does diversity impact that yeah i mean it, what we found is that when people come from diverse backgrounds so they study different topics they bring with them completely different outlooks completely different experiences um you know different skills as well we bring people in from creative backgrounds and they bring that creative flair we bring people in from technical backgrounds um, who bring in a completely different outlook again. Um, and we're also really big on recruiting. We, I think our percentage split at the moment is 54% female to male ratio. Um, and that's something we, that we find brings a different outlook again. We know that when we look at financial services, it's quite difficult for females to see themselves going in that direction quite often in their careers. It tends to be something that males <coughs> favor in terms of a career path for themselves. Um, so we open the door to females and give them that kind of a platform that they can come in and they can learn all of the skills that they need with us um, in order to break into financial services. And that we start, I mean, the way our teams collaborate, when you get a mix, and I mean, we know this from studies and, you know, when you look at boards as well, when you get a really good male to female ratio, that in itself just generates a whole different skill set, you know, an outlook. Um, a collaborative force that just works brilliantly. We find that across the entire organisation. But if you've anything to add on the diversity angle, Rachel, on that the diversity angle, no, I think I think that really yeah. good. Well, I mean, sometimes people say with diversity, or, or rather at the recruitment phase when you're looking at diversity, people say they want somebody who's a good, going to be a good fit, who's going to fit in with the team. And that, although you can understand where that comes from, it's essentially you. You're hardwiring in an undiverse approach. You are, yeah. You want somebody yeah. who's like everybody else. So, yeah. But if you bring somebody in who's not a natural fit, and I'm doing that air quote thing with my fingers, I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> um, but if you're not a natural fit, then you're potentially running up against problems of lack of communication, lack of cohesion, yeah. and all of those kind of things. Yeah. So, how do you kind of make sure that all that you get the positives, but you minimise those negatives? And um, so when I talk, I mean, we do have certain things that we look for. So like I've mentioned earlier, growth mindset's really important to us. So rather than a certain type of person who, like you say, quite often people recruit mini-me's or people who are very similar to themselves. And um, so rather than that, we look for people who are willing to learn, open to new experiences. We look for fantastic communication skills and emotional intelligence. And they're things that we really we're trained to spot through the boot camp phase of our recruitment, which is a four-day program that we bring people into. Um, so that's how we kind of deal with that. And I know Rachel was going to say something. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the same thing, really, which is that I think what differentiates um, JDX in that sense is that whereas generally financial institutions hire for technical skill and experience, we hire for communication skills and levels of emotional intelligence growth mindsets, they're the three areas we hire through or, um, with, and we train on technical skills. So we promise our clients that we send people into, like the big banks and the big investment companies, that we'll provide them with someone who's extremely adaptable, great communicator, great leader, um, and we'll train them up on all of the skills they'll need to be able to perform effectively. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the technical stuff you can learn. I think. You know, the interpersonal skills that we look for, they're harder, but we hone them. So we bring people in. It's all part of our training academy, and I can explain a bit more about that. But basically, we train in a lot of technical stuff. You know, we don't look for the ready-made article when we're recruiting at all. 
That's interesting. So in a sense, you're undiverse about things like emotional intelligence and growth mindset. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're on non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then that allows you to be diverse about everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we find that it works really well with our clients. As Rachel said, we put people into tier one banks and they go in and they've got to be able to build rapport really quickly, build relationships, uh, manage themselves and motivate themselves, manage others, collaborate. So these are things that we absolutely need them to have. And then the growth mindset, they've got to be able to learn the technical expertise that they need to have on client site, as well as a lot of the soft softer skills we hate yeah. to call them soft skills but they are so the softer skills um, that are also really crucial and also in that sense what we're getting to do because those tier ones and um, big consultancy firms like the big four they tend to hire people with specific degrees and specific grades on their degrees um, there's an entire talent pool that tends to be untapped um, within the financial services area and that's what we tap into which is um, I think quite a differentiating factor as well for us. Uh, gender diversity uh, aligns with that as well. So women are less likely to take STEM subjects, as we know, uh, less likely to have degrees in finance. And that's why it's much harder for the tier ones to be able to recruit women. And they really struggle with it. And mm. um, they're not allowing themselves to tap into a whole female resource there, which is where we come in. It's interesting that talking about a learning culture and you started talking about recruitment. And that's such an important point because that's obviously where it starts is if you get those people with, the, with the growth mindset, then the learning culture is much more likely to flow. Absolutely. Getting yeah. people with that fixed fixed mindset. So I mean, it begs the question, how do you spot a growth mindset in, in a recruitment process? So we, like I said, our boot camp is four days and um, we test people in different ways through that process. So in exactly the same way as we train people through our academy, uh, we cover a lot of technical content through the boot camp. We cover a lot of the interpersonal and softer skills through it. And um, we put them through their paces a little bit. So they have various challenges and we observe how they react to those challenges because there are times that, you know, we're not all able to do everything that's thrown at us, unfortunately. Uh, but it's that whole, you know, I can't do this, I'm going to give up, versus I can't do this yet, let me have another go, let me keep trying, let me use the resources around me, let me tap into other people's skill sets that are in the room. And so it's that sort of thing that we look out for through boot camp. And we observe that each and every time. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah, four days, that's quite an investment, isn't it? It is, it is. And yeah, you, you see people start to relax through the process by sort of end of day two, I think. And that's when we tend to see a lot of this coming out. I guess it's hard to keep it up for four days if you're faking it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So once they're actually in the organisation, there's, there's sort of, I suppose, two things to talk about. One is your, your more formal learning and development approach, and then the kind of more informal stuff that encourages the learning culture. So let's yeah. talk first of all about how you approach learning and development. And again, this is from the context of embedding that value of learning. So ours is basically your L&D journey is never over in JDX. And I think historically we'd got that a little bit wrong. And this is where I was kind of coming to in what I was saying earlier around this two-year program that we used to offer. When I came on board, we extended that because you are definitely not done after two to three years through a graduate program and you know I would love to say that I'm the finished article but I'm definitely not and this is the area that I work in and you know Rachel agrees she's not and I, I'm yet to meet anybody who is and so what we've now done is we've created these four different tiers to our academy and there is a different program 
suited to every single level of the organization wherever you come in you know whether you join us as a an experienced uh, individual in a particular area that specializes in that or whether you come in as a graduate not having a clue what you want to do you know where you want to specialize where you want to go within financial services and um, there's a program for you and there are a lot of common threads through the program so we mentioned earlier around emotional intelligence resilience is another topic that we're really hot on here as well and um, and so this, the programs change we start with our discover program and that's for our sort of first two to three years people progress through that and there's a couple of different levels to it and then we move through to our rise program and this is at the point where people are taking on sort of junior management responsibilities so the modules within that reflect the sort of responsibilities they have um, they will start to do more technical stuff in there they might specialize in an area they might have become a KYC specialist out with their clients or similar so they can tag on various different modules um, and through that they will stay in that for sort of two to three years again and progress through to our master program which is where these are our sort of emerging leaders within the company so there's a lot in there around leadership um, management at a different level there's a lot around sort of coaching skills for uh, leaders and managers there's at this point they can specialize in a particular area so we have a number of career routes for people in JDX they can go into insurance they can go into operational consulting they can go into um, consulting services they can go into legal uh, they can go into insurance I've said insurance uh, they can go into head office yeah. functions yeah. yeah so there are a number of different routes and at this point they're starting to take control of their own careers and they can shape which direction they're going in and become a specialist in that area and beyond that we have our exec program and this reaches right up to our founder and president of the company um, and there's various different options in there. It's far more bespoke at this level. All of our MDs are enrolled on this program, so I myself am, am in this program, and we get external support. There's mentoring in there, there's coaching, there's all sorts of things in there. Um, and so, like I say, there's common threads through each of the programs. So we get that real cascade of learning through every single level, but your journey is never over. So there is nobody here that is not enrolled on a program and getting some sort of L&D support. I think all too often we can skip levels or assume that people at the top are done. You know, they've covered this stuff at some point in their career. And we just never make that assumption here. You know, we, we make sure that everybody has access to the learning and development that they need in their role. What's different about that as well is it's focused on the individual. And a lot of times L&D isn't focused on Absolutely. that. It's, it's clusters around content. So you might have a management development program, you might have training courses on presentation skills or whatever, and then people will Absolutely. maybe do a, some kind of pseudo-scientific learning needs analysis or something like that, and maybe then go on a couple of courses and watch a couple of TED Talks. Yeah, that's yeah, we have to. I was going to say, the same thing as you as an organisation committing to me as an individual and saying here is a, a career-long journey of your development. That's a very yeah, different yeah. thing than saying here's a catalogue of training courses. Pick, pick a mix as you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We may, I mean, we have these programs where people get their structured development and they know exactly what to expect. They know where it's going to get them. You know, they, they can almost write a list of what they're going to get out of the next couple of years in terms of their learning journey. And then we have a load of additional things that they can bolt on if they are specialists in certain areas. So we get a really good blend of that. And every single one of our tiers in the academy, every single one of our programs, Splits between technical and the softer skills. So there's no one program that's purely one or the other. Yeah. 
I just add to that that we um, one of the things I really like about it is that it's continually changing. So we keep adding to it, we keep revising the content that we have, reviewing it um, as we like identifying different needs within the business, or we realise that the management program maybe is too developed or not, you know, too senior or not senior enough, and we move things around and we're very flexible with it. Mm. Um, and that's quite unusual as well, I think. For yeah. I think it is. We tailor it to our regions as well. So we have offices out in New York, Singapore, Hong Kong, Ireland. Um, we've got an office in Birmingham. So different locations require different things. You know, we take into account those cultural differences around management and leadership and what's required, the level of experience we hire in in each of those regions. So Rachel's currently working on a slightly different management program that we will run out in Singapore because the needs are slightly different out there. They're very tailored to the various departments and then regions around the business, which is good. And we realized quite recently that we had sort of a band of, of individuals at a certain grade that perhaps thought they needed more career support. So what we're very conscious of are the generations that we're recruiting. So a lot of the graduates coming in no longer just want skills that only apply to the job that they're doing. They want life skills. They want things that are far broader than I'm going to go into work and apply this and that's the only use I've got for it. They want things around resilience, emotional intelligence, how they can build relationships effectively outside of the work. Um, they want all sorts of different skills now. And so we, we kind of factor that in and we actually rolled out an additional mentoring program uh, with four individuals who are very, very experienced. Uh, they were all consultants in their careers and they've come in and really helped with that career advice and they're helping them to shape their journeys. And we're running that over 12 months. And it's something we're looking to extend because the feedback's been amazing for that. I've got, I've got loads of questions, by the way. I'm just trying to uh, hope I remember. <laughs> you got a list. Yeah, well, yeah, I have. <laughs> first one First one is how much of this is done for them and how much of this is they have to do themselves? So this, this learning journey you're talking about, how much of that is kind of managed by you, your learning development team and how much do they, do they just have to pick up and do on their own? And if they were to do it, it just wouldn't happen. I don't know if Rachel agrees, I'd say about half and half, actually. I think something we're really focused on is creating a self-led learning culture. It's difficult because, you know, we're dealing with inexperienced individuals. However, the majority of them, they come in as graduates, they're used to organizing themselves, having to study for exams, having to do coursework. So they're kind of in that mindset when they join us. And so we offer, we've got a global learning platform where it's entirely managed by them. So we will, they will have access to all of the mandatory modules they've got to do, additional ones, and they manage that entirely in their, their own time. You know, they can do it on their lunch breaks, they can do it when they've got downtime. Um, but we also have a lot of classroom-based sessions as well, and this happens globally. And I know there's a bit of a debate around classroom-based sessions and use of time, but actually what we find is in creating meaningful work for our people. We know that shared rituals and getting people together and helping them feel part of something and as though they belong to a team is really important. So we find that bringing people together from around the business that don't normally interact and may not have access to senior management on a day-to-day -day basis, if we can bring them back into one of our offices, our hubs, and get them together, it generates so much more than just the learning. They're building relationships, they're talking about challenges they've got, they're sharing information, they're sharing learning, uh, they've got access 
access to senior managers, I have chats with them. Um, so it's brilliant. So we do a real mixture, um, but they book themselves on sessions. It's all run through our LMS, our learning management system. They go on, they assign themselves onto, well, they add themselves onto courses, manage it around their diaries, manage it with their clients as well, because a lot of our consultants need time away from client sites to come and attend the courses. So they manage all of that, but we drive the agenda. So we're the ones constantly working with the business and making sure we're offering the right things to each level of our employees. So if I'm if I'm joining the organization, what's what's it gonna look like? What's the commitment I have to make? What's what's the time commitment? What do I have to do and what would be done for me? Talk me through it's kind of my first few months in the organization. What would that look like? First of all you'd be be very happy to do that. Um, okay. Let's assume I'm very happy. <laughs> you'd come in and you'd have um you'd have taken part in boot camp. So already as part of the recruitment process you'd have had a four day learning journey like we've talked about. So you'd have already started training in certain areas of finance that we and technical skills and soft skills. Within the next year you've got about eight hours of classroom based learning. Is that mandatory? It is mandatory um, and we offer it throughout the year and you book on to whichever course you want. And then technical training, which is also mandatory, but there's the option to do further training, optional training, as well as some mandatory core training. Um, and at the end of that, you'd have an exam at the end of the first year, an exam at the end of the second year, which is just helping, it's really helping to manage the to manage the fact that people are coming in as graduates and they tend to be younger and it gives them more of a structure that they're more used to following uni in terms of they know that they have to do these training things and revise because at the end of it there will be an exam to test the learning and for us to make sure that they're on track um, and through that they have promotion opportunities as well and then as the years go on you'll be have access to more optional training and less mandatory training so where we begin to trust that you'll take the initiative and you'll be, um, you understand about self-led learning, we'll expect to see more of that. And we have quite a few, um, that's where people tend to join. We have sort of internal committees, like a legal committee and a change committee and things like that. Um, and they actually then create training programs with us that they run. So we have quite a few people, consultants within the business who run insurance training program, a legal training program, change training program. We're training up um, practitioners in Agile globally, so they're Agile PM accredited so that they can deliver that um, on a global level. So we use our consultants to, as trainers as well when they have that need and that want to do that. Mm. Yeah, we've run a huge train-the-trainer program here as well because we've so much knowledge across the business. It seems a shame not to tap into that. But actually, people love, I mean, because we've got this learning culture here, people love to teach others as well. Yeah. So we I'm hiring people, people. Yeah, yeah. So um, last year, we went through a huge, we put um, about 100, 150 people through a train-the-trainer program uh, where they work really closely with us. They develop materials. We've made sure that the sessions are you know, as we would run them, so there's consistency in how they're delivered. And um, yeah, they're great. They go off and they run their own training sessions, which is fantastic. We can pop our feet up. Well, that's that's what you want. You know, <laughs> if they've got the expertise and you, you won't have the same financial level of expertise Absolutely, as they have, yeah. you can't. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. We're not technical experts. And as you say, it's a good way of them enforcing their learning as well. Yeah. And it builds on the culture because you've, you're reinforcing the learning culture because you're making them share. 
It really does, yeah. And I was amazed actually at how motivating it was for people to be able to do this. I think as we do it as a job, you don't realize how much other people enjoy it sometimes that don't do it as their day-to-day -day job. So yeah, they, they're really keen and we, we've got a lot of different sessions happening all over the place and yeah, it's fantastic. There's always, I mean, we even, we have people running Spanish lessons, Italian lessons. Yeah. We do various cooking evenings. There's all sorts of pottery classes. There's all sorts of different things happening where people are sharing their skills across the business. So it's great. This really builds on the learning culture. So you've got this kind of, you've got a certain amount of mandatory stuff going on and then you've got, the, then it becomes less mandatory as you were explaining, Rachel. Yeah. So are there people that just don't really do it? No. No. There's no, I mean, I think because we recruit people who love to learn, it's just there, it's in them. I mean, what I normally get is people staying behind at the end of my sessions to tell me about fantastic TED Talks they've watched on their lunchtime or um, talks they've been on, conferences they've attended, uh, you know, tidbits of information they've picked up that they think would be brilliant added to a training session. We tend to get that rather than people not wanting to attend training. And I think one of my biggest challenges actually when I moved across to JDX was getting my arms around all of this training that was happening in Pocket. People were so keen to get involved and run these sessions. It was quite difficult to get a handle on it because there was inconsistency in the quality of it back then. So to get my arms around it and say, okay, how do we standardize the quality and make sure that you know everybody's gone through this train the trainer program and we're consistent in delivery, that was a real challenge. But that tends to be our biggest challenge, as opposed to we can't get people to attend. And um, people love to come on training sessions, and yeah, they often go back and tell all of their teammates about it. And we finally get an influx of people booking on the next one of that topic. So you tend to find that most people, well, all people, are fully engaged with their own learning plan, their own learning journey. Yeah, and I think to be honest, with it being such a strong value of ours, if they weren't, we'd be having a conversation about why not. So we'd be talking to that person about, are they aware of the opportunities that are there? Is there a reason that they're not fully engaged with it? Is it just that they're so busy on clients like they can't get their head around learning and doing something else at that moment in time? And how can we support them to do that? So I think that would be flagged really quickly through our structure here. Do you have um, evaluation? And how do you do evaluation? Yeah, we do evaluation after every session. Um, even down to our online learning modules, they are all evaluated after somebody has completed them. Um, so we go out, we do sort of a, a standard evaluation form. It goes out via our system afterwards. People feel bad and our complete feedback and our completion rates are really high on those. Um, and, you know, we take on suggestions. There's a, a huge area on that form where people can make suggestions because people have fantastic ideas here. So we always make sure we go through that regularly. We integrate any suggestions that, you know, would really work within the sessions. We put those into the sessions and then feedback to the individuals if they've Put their names on they can do it anonymously or they can include their names and um, so we can go back to those and let them know that their ideas have been taken further which is great uh, we often have people coming and just bringing by and saying can i book a bit of time with you i've got an idea about something or i've got some feedback and we tend to get quite a lot of additional emails to the feedback form just saying what how people have used the training because we're doing this whole approach around life skills as well as technical and as well as the interpersonal they need on on site or in their role they tend to come back to us and say oh it's really funny i was doing this at the weekend and that training we did came back to me and i used a lot of it and it's really nice to hear actually it's nice that people take the time to do that i think there's also within our appraisal process 
we've got these different pillars that we um, review as part of the appraisal process. And one of them is around what are you doing to create opportunities for, your, for the firm, for JDX. And a lot of people see that as things that they can do within training. How can they improve and develop others? How can they foster growth mindset within um, JDX? What can, they, what can they add and what can they do there? And I think that's where a lot of that comes in. That's a nice link, a link up to the performance management system, isn't it? That's good. Sort of yeah. share your share yeah, your need to benefit the whole got, organization and actually have that recognized. Yes. Yeah. We've yeah. got a people pillar within I mean, we do quarterly reviews, so we don't wait until the end of the year. You know, we're big believers in feedback should be agile, we should be giving it regularly, performance should be re- reviewed regularly. So we we review performance every quarter and in there we look at this people strand that we've got like a column for people and and within that we get all sorts of suggestions around developing our people offer further how we can offer more through our LD function so we get a lot out of that as well it's very useful so just want to go back to evaluation a second because you mentioned about a lot of that part of that's that kind of reaction level to use kirkpatrick language and some on the learning yeah. and that feeding back into how are you improving your programs do you do anything at a higher level looking at the actual impact of the learning on the organization or anything of that kind of those higher levels of evaluation? Yeah, absolutely. So some of our content is driven by client needs. So they will feed in that there's a certain technical need and we'll design something around that. And then we will go back and get the impact it's had on them and you know whether it's had the effect that they've needed and it's not how we can tweak it um so that's really useful and then we look a lot around employee engagement we measure that which you know our retention figures we look at as well and even down to this mentoring program we have a quarterly dinner with the mentors where they feed in um without breaking confidentiality they feed in themes from those mentoring meetings so um, we're really, as Rachel mentioned about creating opportunities, that's our purpose as a company. We're all about creating opportunities for people. And sometimes we find that when someone has an outlet to talk through or via, they say, you know, oh, I really fancy career in X, Y, and Z. And actually, it's something we can support. It might be something that if we just move out of the way, they can create something themselves around that and uh, they can talk to clients about it. So. We use that as a bit of a forum to get feedback around business development as well as helping them in their careers. Um, but we're constantly looking, like I said, at employee engagement, the impact there, and the skill sets that we develop in our people as well. So we keep track on those. We've got um, a resourcing team here that look at the right fit of our people for certain client projects. So we track everybody's skills that they've developed and you know how quickly they're placed on client sites so we know what sorts of things we should be continuing to develop within our people. And this is where the Agile program has come from. We found that our clients um, really favor people with Agile backgrounds or Agile qualifications. So we're now rolling out a global program around that. Rachel's about to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Um, so we do, we look at evaluation from a lot of different angles, actually, from sort of an internal employee engagement perspective, right through to how our, you know, the impact it's having on our clients and what they're able to deliver through our people. I think that's, that's good that you link it into things like engagement. And, um, and I, was, I was thinking as well about the retention rates. Cause yeah. There are, I have a bit of a bugbear on this because a lot of organizations think that having turnover is a good thing because you then end up get fresh blood and you get rid of the sort of dead wood to use a horrible phrase yeah 
to some extent, I kind of see the point, but in another sense, why didn't you just motivate the people you've got and look after them yeah. and uh, stop them becoming deadwood? Because, I mean, either you hired them dead or you killed them, so one or the other. So what happened? So why don't you just do all the investment in yeah. the people you've got and, and get them to perform? Yeah, completely agree. You know, a certain level of, of, of turnover is, of course, inevitable, but that, that kind of almost pursuing turnover, I think, is, is a dreadful approach. No, and it's, it is a challenge for us because the way we work our business model is obviously to bring people in, train them up, and then we put them into our clients, which is difficult because we obviously identify with them as them being JDXs, and we hope that they identify with us as JDXs. However, they're moving into an environment where that client is probably doing everything they can to make them feel part of that team, to make them feel as though they belong to that client, they're one of them, and so it can be difficult. And what we do find, and it's quite flattering really, but it is a challenge for us, is that a lot of the tier one banks, they want to recruit our people because we put them in there. They do a fantastic job. They've got all of these interpersonal skills and soft skills that they haven't necessarily recruited for, and they stand out. And so for us, we do a lot around, I mentioned earlier around these shared rituals, bringing people together, getting people back into the hubs, really energizing connecting back with them we create a lot of sports teams where people can spend time together outside and work and play together towards a common goal so we do a lot around that because it is a challenge for us and it's you know not necessarily because we've got dead wood or because we're not doing enough for our people we're just you know people are going out on client site where they're being tempted and told that they could do a fantastic job and be employed directly by them and offered the world sort of thing so so that's our biggest challenge around sort of retention. Uh, but we found that the L&D activities that we've introduced and the developments we've made within our department have really positively impacted that. I was thinking, you can't really complain, sir, because that's what happened to you, is that you started with JTX and then they nicked you. I know. <laughs> I, I was lured this way, though, so that's allowed. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I just but think, yeah, it, it's I true, just... is it, you know, and I think... So I was just going to say, I, I, I was just going to say, I'm thinking of preparing my CV and sending you it. It sounds a brilliant place to work to me. Send it across. We'll get you on a boot camp. No, I don't fancy <laughs> that. Not on my age. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you through your paces. You know what we're looking for? We've given some, away some trade secrets today, so you can prepare well for it. Yeah, that's true. I can be well prepared, yeah. I was, just, I was, I was going to sort of move on yeah. to just talking about, we talked a lot about the kind of formal L&D programs that you run and, and, and the training you run around that, but a lot of L&D culture is informal. And obviously, you've got some of that because you've hired people with the right mindset. You obviously, you've, as, as you said, uh, Rachel, you're linking that to performance management. You encourage a lot of sharing. As you say, when you get that kind of complexity, necessarily you get differences in in, in consistency of quality. Yeah. yeah. But what 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 do you do? Kind of what happens more informally to to just ensure that this learning culture environment stays and is successful and keeps going? As a team, we make a huge effort. I mean, it's something that we live and breathe. I mean, we're role models of business on this so we always make sure that we develop ourselves Rachel is brilliant at this she's just come back from a four-day conference for learning um, and so we we definitely feel that we lead the way and you know we talk about all the learning that that we go through and the different events that we attend and the different types of learning that we really encourage um, and we do sort of meet the expert sessions where we invite people in to come and talk to experts around the business and they're very informal they're kind of come along if you want to you know this is the topic we get interesting people to come in as well and and it doesn't have to be targeted at learning a 
specific thing it can just be I want to come and learn about your life and what you do you know so we've had brain surgeons and all sorts of people and um, who've engaged with us on this and these meet the expert sessions so it's just really interesting uh, for people and it gives people something to talk about with clients as well you know I think we we want interesting people and we want interested people who can go out and have fantastic conversations with our clients and they can go to the rugby with them and chat to them for hours and and so it really helps when they can say you know I was at a talk the other night with a brain surgeon and he mentioned this about the brain and and so it's just that opener that that works really well and it's very informal like I say people can come if they're available um, and then we've got some kind of learning initiatives that we're running as a team. And I'll let Rachel talk about a big one that we're running at the moment around that. Yeah, so Learning Festival is something that we're running next week. Um, before I talk about it, I'm just going to say in terms of the wider context there, what what I think it is informal, and yet it's to do with the fact that it's within our entire structure. So the reason that I joined JDX was because I'd never. I'd worked for six major companies, um, all quite big organisations, as in a learning and development role before. And I, and I looked. I wasn't actually looking for a job, um, and I was approached. And when I looked at JDX, I was struck immediately by the fact that learning and development was the first value. It was within their core purpose. It seemed to be part of their business model. It was in their recruitment video. Um, talked about in their recruitment video and when I looked at where Sarah sat in the organization she was in the executive committee so the most senior um, team within the organization as the head of um, learning and development uh, globally and that really struck me that I'd never seen an organization where there was such an emphasis on learning and development before and if you look at the JDS consulting um, LinkedIn page at the moment you'll see the same sort of thing that we're promoting learning and development articles we're talking about learning and development um, initiatives that we're running there's so much on it and we're a financial consultancy we're not trading on that we're not selling that and yet it's so important to the heart of JDX that we continually reference it and it's it's just part of everything we do and I think that filters down in an informal way so that you do get nights like Italian night where members of staff from Italy come in and teach people how to make gnocchi and yeah. teach them basic Italian and give them loads of prosecco like it <laughs> it's, it it just does I know it doesn't sound informal but I think the formal structure that we have and the fact that it's so in the heart of what we do just filters down in an yeah. informal way that's true and our founder actually Jonathan Davies he he invests heavily in this it's he never takes his eye off it no and I think you know times certain financial situations a lot of businesses tend to review L&D shall we say and make certain cuts um, and it's something that he's just not prepared to do you know he yeah. always says it's false economy to do that it comes back to bite you further down the line and I couldn't agree more it's something that he always wants to invest in and make sure that we give people the right opportunities to shine and develop and fulfill their potential and on that that's a really good point because I was also really struck by the fact that when I was interviewed I had every, I had a really really long interview process, and I had like every single person that be, would be reporting in to me, report, uh, interviewing me, which I loved because it showed that they did genuinely care what um, staff think at every level. Um, I had obviously Sarah interview me, but I also had the CEO interview me and the founder and president JD uh, Jonathan Davies. 
And that was so unusual that someone at that level would be interviewing for an L&D manager that it, it shows what an investment um, JDX makes in, into learning and development, how important they think it is that he would do that um, and that the CEO would as well. Right? It's such an important part of any successful thing, a cultural thing, is the senior leadership are Massively. genuinely... Yeah, demonstrably and, involved and interested. Yeah, absolutely. And they they do demonstrate it. I mean, you know, like Rachel said, I sit as part of that Exco and, you know, JD, Jonathan Davis, he's constantly developing himself. He's just gone out and done his annual 360 where he gets feedback and he's working through his development plan at the moment. And he talks about it openly and shares that. And it's so brilliant that we have that up at, right at the top of the tree, you know, where it, it's been role modeled. And that does filter down. Um, but it doesn't go unnoticed by the staff. So, yeah, it's it's definitely in our DNA here. Yeah. So I'll tell you about Learning Festival. So Learning Festival is an intervention that we've um, come up with this year. And what what it is is it's intensive version of our whole academy in the sense that we're creating a week-long series of events um, off-site in a sort of nightclub. <laughs> Um, which is very JDX, and there's a mixture on every day of a soft skills training, such as managing upwards or your personal brand, a technical training, such as intro to coding or quantum computing, and a creative session, such as uh, Hollywood stuntmen coming in and teaching us how to stunt fight, or Les Dennis doing an acting masterclass, or some rock stars coming in and teaching everyone how to play a musical instrument and perform in a rock band. Very excited about Very that. Very excited about that. This in is a rock chick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'd like that um, one. You've been the, we were talking about the Spice Girls earlier. You could do a Spice Girls thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to finish well. Finance, finance Spice. <laughs> We've actually got... Finance Spice. <laughs> We've got an a cappella choir coming in as well. We yeah. We part in that. So, like, yeah. pitch perfect. It could be Strangled Spice, I think. Strangled Cat Spice. Right. For me, I'm not the best singer. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so things like that that we do. So, again, it's like a huge investment in the company, and we're taking time off clients, like, so it's even more of an investment. Um, but staff have been... They, it's completely their choice whether they opt in or not, and we've got 150 people signed up for over four days, um, which is, and they're coming in from Dublin, they're coming in from Manchester and Birmingham, so this is just our UK one, and then we're hoping to replicate it globally. Um, but it is all about promoting self-led learning, so we wanted people to have the choice and choose to come and choose to, you'll have people that might just be interested in coding, and that's what you know they they might tend to be a bit more introverted they might be more into the tech side and they're doing the coding thing and they'll be forced essentially to take part in the other activities around that so a soft skills session and a creative session as well and what you find by doing that is people leave feeling so happy so proud of themselves that they've challenged themselves pushed themselves out of their comfort zone done something completely new they wouldn't choose to do um, and learnt new things. And in the same way as, you know, obviously me and Sarah are more excited about being in a rock band. <laughs> we're going to leave quantum computing knowing much more about quantum computing. <laughs> Either that or realising I've chosen the right career. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go into that, that space. You might, you might surprise yourself. 
Yeah, people, like well, I'm not sure about that, but people sign up to these blocks, so it's brilliant. The block's split into three, and we've got all sorts of things going on. We've got a hypnotherapist joining us who's going to come and do a session around defining happiness and talk through some kind of self-soothing techniques and, and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And like Rachel said, it's brilliant that we're getting people to sign up to the whole range. They've got to sign up to the entire block because we're really keen here for people to use different parts of their brain when they're learning. And we, I'm a bit of a neuroscience geek, so I'm a little bit obsessed with the brain, and I really understand the benefits of accessing those different parts of the brain whilst learning, which is why we've got such a blend of technical and soft skills through our academy. And we find that when people really work those different parts and they really kind of keep them awake, um, they learn things far faster, they're far more adaptable, they become far more rounded, so we can throw them into various situations and they just pick things up really quickly. Yeah. So there is method in our madness, we're not being cruel, making people take part no. in a rock band activity when they just want to do quantum computing, but, I promise. Yeah, but it is also just about, as well as accessing those different parts of the brain, the fact that if you're having fun, if we can add that element of fun into learning, yeah. then it promotes and engages people so much more in learning that it makes people more able to accept new things and think more creatively because they're, they're having playtime. They're relaxed. They're relaxed. Yeah. They're having yeah. playtime. It's all done in a really relaxed environment. That's a really key point, and that's something that when you were asking earlier around whether we struggle to get people onto training sessions, and we actually don't, and some of our sessions have to be early evenings. I mean, we don't ever do training too late at night, but we do them early evenings, towards the end of the day, and when we can get people together. And you'd think, gosh, you know, do people really want to come in for training at that time? They absolutely do. And a key part of it is we make sure that every single classroom session is fun. People are in a relaxed environment, they're going to be stretched, but they're not going to be so uncomfortable that they don't want to be there. They're going to learn new things. They're going to, you know, do activities. We mix our sessions up so much that it doesn't feel hard work to them at all because we know that people learn best when they are relaxed and having fun. So, yeah, that's a key part of everything that we do in learning. I think looking at the whole conversation we've had today, the thing that I'm really struck by is there's no kind of magic bullet here. There's no shortcuts. There's actually just a huge amount of investment and commitment from everybody from, from the recruitment yeah. as we started the conversation all the way up to, as you said, your, your founder and chief exec, all across the board. Yeah. So this, yeah. this isn't an easy, quick fix. You can rush back and just plug in. It's a, it's a, no, no. a full, broad commitment across your organization. Yeah. And something that I don't think is ever finished either. It's something that's constantly evolving here. You know, we don't ever go, job done. We've cracked L&D. Yeah. It's something that we're constantly building on, working through, bringing in new ideas, building on our, our culture and bringing in different cultures as well that add to that. So, yeah, it's it's something that we're constantly focused on. And it's not just our team, which is nice. You know, it's a collective aspect, as you said, and, and it's on everybody's radar. And it's, I mean, you're a service you're a service industry yeah yeah and as service industries the only actual uh, thing you've got is human performance because you don't you don't manufacture anything no you exactly yeah. assembly you know, line it's all about or, people or buy better raw materials yeah. you can't do that no all you've got is people showing up and having effective behavior having ineffective behavior there's, there's nothing else absolutely so yeah. you don't invest in that and there are there are brands they're everything they're your brand they're your products yeah. they're entirely how you succeed or don't succeed yeah you're 100 percent right and in what you said before that was a really good point because everywhere i've worked before we've really tried but we've only done parts of what we do here so we might 
do something similar to a learning festival but if you do that but you don't have the commitment at senior level or you don't have the academy running through the heart of a person's career plan then it's just a one-off nice to have yeah it's like an expensive day out it's just it's yeah, it's an expensive <laughs> yeah. yeah um so yeah that's the danger with things like that yeah that it sounds like you yeah we ticked the box we did that yeah exactly and in the yeah. absence of anything else that doesn't mean anything exactly right complimented by everything else it works yeah yeah listen rachel and sarah thank you very much for that for talking us through uh, all you that you're doing at jdx <laughs> Um, so I can't say it without laughing now. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's because I just cut it out because I got it wrong again. So, but listen, thanks very much. It's been really interesting. What uh, you know, hearing about the formal side and the informal side, and the, the, the full commitment to L and D across the whole board, and how you're really living that value. So, thank you very much for your time. Not at all. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It. It's been lovely. We're always happy to talk about L and D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and um, maybe talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you.